fullback belly. Three tight ends, including Habner. Kuhn is the fullback with the first and goal. Kuhn gets the ball. Pile Back, what's going on? It's your boy, the Wolf of Roto Street. RotoStreetJournal.com, we breed and feed you fantasy wolves. Here with your week six waiver wire reaction show. Now, normally I limit this list to 10, and I do have my top 10. As you guys know, I'll always go in order so you know who I'm prioritizing, how much fab I'm spending on everybody, all that good stuff. I think this week is particularly loaded, though. There's about 20 options I really want to discuss. So I'm going to move a bit quicker through everybody just so I can cover all 20 of those names. I'll spend more time on the names that warrant it, sure, of course. But there are a lot of options this week. One guy in particular who I'd spend every single dime I have on, clearly the number one waiver wire priority, all that good stuff. So we'll make sure to get there first. But ultimately, I have a lot of guys I want to get through, so I'm going to dive right in. As you guys know, the drill, the thumbs up helps us get out to more people. Thank you so much in advance, whether you're here live, catching the replay. Maybe you're listening to the podcast the day after. And remember... We're live every Tuesday, 7 p.m. Eastern time to go through all these waiver wires, but especially to answer any questions you might have. Should I drop player X for player Y? All that good stuff. We'll hit them all at the end of the show after I rip through these names. So let's dive on in, Wolfpack. Let's not waste any more time, but get those questions in. Let's fill this mailbag up. Let's go. Week six, waiver wire. Kicking it off now. First, I do recommend you check out. Now, the, the guy I'm going to go over at number one on the pickups, he's still under 50% rostered. I have them about both of these guys. That just tells you how much I love who's coming up here. But I still also highly encourage you to check, did George Pickens get picked up last week? Now, entering the week, I said he was the number one waiver wire pickup. He probably is gone, 55% rostered, but do check it out. Granted, he did play the fewest snaps of the big three receivers, Deontay, Chase Claypool, Pickens. He also saw the fewest targets with Deontay taking 11 and Claypool seeing nine and doing absolute jack shit with them. Shocking. That's what he's done all year. And then Pickens came down third on the target totem pole with eight. Yet he also finished as the leader in yardage yet again. 83 yards on six catches. Highly efficient, despite the fact that a lot of these catches were like huge contested grabs. I mean, he just looks like such a stud. He clearly is one of the top receiving talents of this rookie class. I think he's far superior to Chase Claypool at this point. A much more diverse tree. I am just waiting for him to completely ascend, and it looks like he's well on his way. I think you can treat George Pickens then every week, wide receiver three, moving forward. Him and Pickett have that nice connection, and the schedule is about to soften up. A few more tough matchups, and then a very easy end of season. So check out George Pickens. See if he's still out there in your leagues. And also check for Michael Gallup, who was number two on last week's show. He went up to 51% and still might be lingering because he hasn't quite blown up. You can't really blow up when your quarterback throws it, what, 10 freaking times for Cooper Rush this last week. It's going to be hard until Dak comes back. But remember, last two seasons under uh, Dak Prescott and Kellen Moore, when they've been linked up, they finished number two or better in passing yards, passing touchdowns, pass attempts. It is a high-powered attack. The defense is better than those past years. So maybe we'll take a little bit down in terms of overall passing volume but I do think that high scoring high efficiency attack number one in yards and points total last year could return and I think Gallup 
Again, the team preferred him over Amari Cooper, as we've talked about, was the wide receiver 18 the last time he was the number two weapon in a Kellen Moore, Dak Prescott attack. Wide receiver 18 in air yards, top 24 blowups in four of his matchups above 22 points. Over half the time, he was top 24, 51% of his games back in 2019. So steady consistency, big blowup potential. I think that's all going to come to fruition for the second half of the year for Michael Gallup. So go check out your waiver wire, double check for Pickens, double check for Gallup. But I do have to reiterate, actually, just to wrap up Gallup, just to make sure, you know, four catches, 44 yards again on a day that Cooper rushed through for just barely over 100, maybe didn't even cross that. Forget his final stats. They were quite forgettable. Uh, it was a pathetic effort, but he did earn a whopping 30% target share, ran more routes than Noah Brown, saw more targets than Noah Brown. So it seems like he's ascending back into his kind of clear cut on the number two alpha here. Uh, me, C.D. Lamb, we're going to feast from now on. And Dalton Schultz got hurt yet again this week. So maybe even a higher target share for Gallup. So check for those two guys. Let's dive into, though, all the players that are 50% or fewer rostered. Starting at the top, you'll see him on every single waiver wire show, and deservedly so, at the top spot. If anybody says otherwise, you can probably turn that show off, because Ken Walker is about to go ballistic down the stretch here. I think you should spend 100% of your fab right now. Number one waiver priority, if you have any somehow out there, use it. He is worth everything. A lot of impatient owners did drop him. And you know what? You might not have been able to blame him given the fact he had done next to nothing to begin the season. But this is why you always hold a talented rookie that typically will blow up anyways during the second half of the stretch, but especially behind an injury-prone starter. We know at this point Rashad Penny, done for the year, going to have surgery on a broken tibia. Uh, so prayers up to a speedy recovery for him. But now the door is wide open for Ken Walker to hit a top 12. I'm telling you, running back one ceiling is well within his capability here. We already saw first week into action really extensively. As soon as he went down, Rashad Penny, Kenneth Walker saw 100% of the backfield attempts and also ran a route nearly 60% of the time. We did see DJ Dallas take a few of the obvious passing down snaps. That will be a little bit of a committee, but you should expect 15 to 20 carries every single week for Ken Walker, one of the most efficient backs coming into the league uh, the Doke Walker Award winner for the best back in the league last year. I mean, you just have to throw on his tape. Watch the guy. Powerful, elusive, good speed for his side. Underrated hands that they were raving about in camp. So maybe he will get involved a bit more in the passing game. We saw it all on this play, too. Eight carries, 88 yards, a beautiful 69-yard touchdown run, uh, bowling over tacklers, breaking away from the pack, and just showing, again, for his size, a man shouldn't, that big shouldn't move as fast as he can, especially laterally. The guy is a great running back. I truly think he's one of the better talents uh, behind only Brees Hall in terms of rankings in this class right now. Now finally going to get extensive opportunity. And this was against a New Orleans run defense that had not given up more than 10 fantasy points to a single back since um, Kilderell Patterson in week one. Like this was a good stifling run defense that he just ran all over. And this is a decent Seattle attack. You'd be shocked to know they're seventh in terms of points uh, per game right now. Just absolutely lighting it up. Geno Smith is playing way better than expected. They're pushing the pace. Uh, one of the top 10 in total pace right now. Just overall, a surprisingly good fantasy cocktail to suck down is the Seattle offense. And you can have the lead back, a very talented guy, seeing 15 to 20 touches in it. Sign me up all day. Again, blow all the money all the fab, number one priority. He is well worth it. 
another highly, highly just every week plug and play starter, particularly if you're in PPR or half PPR leagues, Jacoby Myers. I have no reason why he would be available in over half of leagues. I don't know anything that he's ever done wrong this year. He just averages 30% or more target share every single week. He's been healthy, not, not to be outdone again. His first week back against the lines, 38% target share, seeing 11 looks, eight catches, 111 yards and a score. Yes, it came against the lines. Everybody destroys the lines. We get that. But still, to have Bailey Zappi walk in, like it's not just a Mac Jones thing here. We know Jacoby Myers can now get it done with anybody at the quarterback position. It is clear this remains a staple of the Patriots offense, just peppering the slot. Whether it was Edelman, Welker, now Myers, he is just an every week hog. So go check out Jacoby Myers. See if he's out there, especially in PPR half. Should never have been dropped if those, if you get points for those. If they actually scoring touchdowns, just shows you the type of ceiling. 24 fantasy points this week. You can bank on like 15 nearly, given the reception and yardage totals every week. But when now he starts adding touchdowns, the man is dangerous. Number three, a guy I will continue to harp upon each and every week is Rashad White. We've now seen two weeks in a row where Rashad White is getting increased snap shares, 38 and 39% snaps across the past two weeks, near even route share, seeing 40%, 41% rather, routes 22 for White, 28 for Lenny. Uh, so that's becoming a near even split. It's very similar, very akin to what Tony Pollard's role is in the Cowboys offense here. Now, granted, Fournette looks a lot better than Zeke at this stage of their career, so I don't think he's going to just hand over the reins. It's clear Tom Brady trusts him, especially last week, evidence with those 11 targets, 10 catches, when the going, it gets a little sketchy there in the fourth quarter. Fournette ended up playing nearly all the snaps. But the Bucs have had one of the hardest schedules to start the year. They now have a cakewalk schedule for nearly the rest of the season, and that could lead to Rashad White getting some more burn to get him established with the team. Uh, We've seen, again, in in less contested games like last week, that's when he picked it up with five catches, 50 yards, also got the goal line snaps. Clearly the team wants to get him involved, get his legs under him in case something does ever happen to Lenny. And if it does, remember, he's missed time in every single professional season, including three-plus games in four out of five. If and when Lenny misses some time, you're looking at a top-10 running back that week. That's just how good this Bucks offense is and how good it is to its running backs. It's like David Johnson of 2016 if something happens to him. I'm telling you, you want Rashad White. Don't be the one that then has to play pen, you know, Ken Walker catch-up right now and bid all your money away to get Rashad White. Have him on your bench. Have him ready. I have one other rookie running back a little bit later, too, that if something happens to the starter, would be another 100% bid. So we'll talk about him when we get to my pick number nine. But moving on to number four, we know everybody other than Travis Kelsey and Mark Andrews owners really at this point, I guess Zach Ertz and Goddard, yes, they've been pretty steady too. But pretty much everything else at the tight end position is a barren wasteland. You're hoping for touchdowns or busts really at this point. So why not just toss in Taysom Hill? Because nobody has the weekly ceiling other than Kelsey and Andrews of Taysom Hill. It is as boomer bust as can be, like even more so than this ridiculous position right now. Uh, You look at his fantasy total so far, 15, 1.4, a whopping zero, 8.1, and then, of course, 34.6 with four touchdowns. Yes, Travis Kelsey's not the only four-touchdown scorer on the day at the tight end position. That was Taysom Hill. Now, this blow-up day of over 34 fantasy points has Taysom Hill as the tight end three in fantasy right now in half PPR leagues. He has exactly one target on the year. So obviously this is not like a typical tight end. It's a interesting, just mind-blowing role. 
it's crazy that he's this involved without Sean Payton. It always was like he must have screwed Sean Payton's wife, and now he has to just continue to feed this guy for some reason. But no, whether it's a phantom coach, who knows what's going on? He is still clearly involved. Obviously, this is his magnum opus of the season so far. Nine carries, 112 yards, yards, three scores, and then also passing a touchdown, 22-yard dart on third down uh, to add a passing touchdown to his day. So a monster performance for Taysom Hill this week. And Mike Triplett of New Orleans Football uh, com saying he expects Hill to remain a huge part of the Saints rushing offense. Uh, quote, unquote, obviously no one can expect anything close to this level the rest of the year. But Sunday was a good reminder that Hill has always been and should remain a huge part of the New Orleans rushing package. And of note, per Nathan Janke, great recap article over on Pro Football Focus, talking about how even on 30% of the snaps, the big difference this week, we look at where he's lined up all year. 15 times at tight end, 12 times at wide receiver, 24 times at quarterback, and this week for the first time, six times in the backfield, particularly involved at the stripe. It's kind of a bane to us Kamara owners out there who did put up 20 points, was nice. It could be a huge day if we didn't have Taysom Hill vulturing him every time, but that's how it's going to be. And honestly, the way the Hill's performing, he gets it done. He's a bull. He's slamming linebackers to the ground. I mean, He's worth the value he's seeing. And I would love it to go to Kamara, but I don't think it's going to. Granted, again, the the mind-numbing, up-and-down, boomer-bust nature, he's going to have you – zero point is the floor. Like they, He's already had some zero points, 1.4. The floor is very low, but that's the case for most tight ends. So why not put a guy in there that could genuinely win you a week at the position, as we just saw this week? Multiple touchdown days, more of them will be coming. Now, running back is already getting thin out there. And now with the bye weeks, week six, where you're losing Derrick Henry, DeAndre Swift has been hurt, but expected to come back after the bye. Some big names, Jamal Williams, will be out this week. Damian Pierce, so many of you riding him. If you need an answer, if you're missing your running back one or two this week, I think Eno Benjamin has 20-point upside should he remain the lead back entering the week. Let's talk about why he has that. Eight carries, 25 yards, and a score in the loss to the Eagles. Also had three receptions for 28 yards, a healthy performance given that he didn't really do much until the second half. Connor had been playing nearly all the downs, 24 of 38 snaps, dominating the rushing work, splitting the passing game opportunity. We saw Eno Benjamin play eight snaps in the first half. He then went on because of injuries to play 30 of the 31 snaps at running back. Daryl Williams went down. Connor went down with a rib injury. And even their backup backup, Jonathan Ward on special teams has a hamstring ailment. So really, as of right now, Eno Benjamin's the last man standing. They might have truly no one else to go to on Sunday. Obviously, you have to monitor it, but he could be in line to be the only back they have against Seattle. So not only would just the role in a, yeah, it sputters at times, especially early in games, the Cardinals offense. Sure, it's not the beauty offense we've seen in years past, but they still move the ball better than the top half of the league. You know, they're not horrible. The big thing is they get Seattle, and we know how bad Seattle is. 20-plus fantasy points in three straight weeks to a running back. Fifth most points on the season to the running back position. Only Houston has allowed more running back rushing yards. It's a gorgeous matchup. He's involved Benjamin as a receiver, as a runner, and could see 20 to 25 touches against a porous run defense. If you need a back this week, I I say right here, you know, 15 to 20%. But if you got bye week blues, if you're like one and four and desperate for a fill in for now, I, I think this guy could really just dominate in week 
uh, six here. So check out, you know, Benjamin, if you're desperate for a running back, I'd say bid even like 30 to 35. If you're really, really desperate right now at the position, not because it probably won't last more than a week, but sometimes you just need that win. you need to get your season on track and you're facing some tough bye weeks to do it, Benjamin could be the ultimate bye week plug-in for you. I can't believe it. I've mentioned him on the Wave Wire show plenty of times, Geno Smith. Now up to 35% rostered. Don't miss the boat. If he's somehow still out in your league, whether you're QB needy or not, it's a weird, weird year for the quarterback position. And Geno Smith is now inside your top seven fantasy QBs on the year. The fact that he now did a solid on the Saints, a good defense year. If they was like, oh, of course he has you know top seven numbers against the Lions. Everybody does that, right? Well, he just did it against the Saints, who had previously been a bottom five matchup for quarterbacks. Gino goes 16 of 25 for 268, three touchdowns, also adding 13 rushing yards on the ground. He's just getting it done every which way. He's feeding his main weapons in Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf for nearly 60% of his targets, and they are just doing the work. He himself, though, is looking damn solid. He actually leads the NFL in adjusted completion rate. Uh, if you look at pro football focuses adjusted rate where they account for drops and whatnot, he is number one in the league right now. Some people are honestly clamoring that he is making an MVP case with how well he is throwing. He's on time. He's on target. You know, those bombs that require that beautiful Russ Wilson chemistry with Tyler Lockett. So we thought Gino's dropping it right into the breadbasket. Maybe, especially after what we're seeing out of Russell in Denver, maybe it wasn't so much uh, Russell doing magic as it was just these two receivers on the outside making life easy for him. So I love Geno Smith, as mentioned earlier with Kenneth Walker, seventh in points per game, Seattle offenses. They're number one in points per play. And the best part is their defense is absolutely atrocious. couple quick things on this offense as a whole that I just love to see. They 28% of their drives into the TD, that's sixth in the league. This is per Dwayne McFarland, one of my favorite uh, analysts out there. 11 seconds average on neutral play clock, sixth fastest pace in the league. 35% of their opponent's drives end with ATD. That's first in the league. So we're getting that perfect recipe that's working for uh, Jared Goff so far this year. Horrendous defense, capable uh, quarterback thrown to amazing weapons right now. It is working out perfectly. And again, he also has the six most designed rushes. So a little bit of Konami upside to Geno too. Now he's got three game, four of his five games have been 17 or more fantasy points. Really just one dud on the year. The floor looks good. The ceiling looks great. Geno Smith, I mean, truly a quarterback one from here on out, like better than Matthew Stafford. I, I mean, it's crazy. I can't believe these words are coming out of my mouth, but they are. Wolfpack, I'm going to go quickly through my next guys. Before I do, I have a quick ad read. Got to keep the lights on over here. So a thumbs up button before we get queued up for the final top 10 and then the, the rapid fire top 20 for you would be so appreciated. But let me tell you quickly about No House Advantage. They are changing the game by offering the most dynamic fantasy sports platform available today. Play in pick'em contests versus other people for the shot at winning 250K plus in cash. Download the app, choose a contest, select your player props, earn points for correct picks, and climb the leaderboard for your shot to win big money every day. You can also test your skills versus the house in 20 extra entry if you hit all the picks. Bet on up to five player prop over-unders or individual player matchups across every major sport league, including... NFL, NBA, MLB, PGA, MMA, and NASCAR. Sign up with promo code RSJ, all caps, at nohouseadvantage.com. Link is also in the description. Uh, I'm sure CJ watching will comment it out there for you as well. First deposit will be matched up to $25. Check out, again, No House Advantage today. 
experience. Daily Fort's redefined. It's not just how you play, but also where you play. You don't want to miss out on this. Do us a solid move back. It's our last week of our month-long deal with them. They've been very kind to us. We want to continue to send users to their great game. We're already seeing Wolfpack members up. Multiple guys are up over a thousand bucks on their picks. Our man CJ has like come a hair from winning nearly ten thousand one week. He's one prop away on a Thursday night contest. Like it, tons of overlay. Great site. Cannot recommend it enough. Great site. Great app. Go check them out, Wolfpack. All righty. Continuing forward with our week six waiver wire picks, Mike Boone. I might have to take the L on this one. And I don't think it's going to be a huge L, but I called him the waiver wire fool's gold last week. Got a lot of views on that video. A lot of people commenting that I was an idiot. Nice. Thank you, guys. Uh, 35% rostered. And I'm not convinced. I'm not sitting here saying I'm going to eat crow and I've accepted Mike Boone is going to be a monster the rest of the year. But I will say a few things really encourage me. First, he just looked a lot better than Melvin Gordon. Gordon went 15 for 54. He did have a nice uh, broken tackle and, and ripped 49 yards in the receiving game on three catches. Looked solid there. Uh, did dominate the work early on in the game, but it seemed like the team started to get a little fed up with Melvin Gordon. He kept running and showing no real vision. Had a near fumble, which again, he could get benched on the snap of a finger with that. And ultimately in the second half, Mike Boone played 20 snaps compared to 13 for Melvin Gordon. Kind of took over. He was far more efficient with his work. 38 yards on seven carries and 47 yards on three receptions. So right there as a nice receiving option, looked great in the screen game, making tacklers miss, creating on his own, showing great vision. Remember, that's what he's always been known for is churning yards after contact despite his small frame. He was top six in that metric when he took over for the Vikings down their last end of season stretch. Boone is good. I mean, he passed the eyeball test certainly on Thursday. The one thing you do want to consider is Latavius Murray, 19% rostered, will also be back. He did not play not because of inability, but because short travel date coming from London, just didn't have enough time to get his feet fully under him to fully learn the playbook. But he could be involved. This could become a three-headed nightmare. And then you want nobody involved here. Uh, But right now, Boone did look solid, played on eight of the 12 third downs, uh, and again, out-snapped Melvin Gordon in the second half, which maybe that's signaling changing of the guard, at least worth a roster spot to see how this pans out, despite how hideous this offense is. Another guy from last Thursday who really flashed, Alec Pierce. And it wasn't just last Thursday. This is now three weeks in a row. We've really seen some solid play out of Alec Pierce. Most impressive, though, last week against the Broncos. A good secondary, limiting receivers to the second fewest points. And Pierce comes out and wallops him for eight catches and 81 yards on his nine targets. Now, dating back to last, you know, two weeks ago. So for two weeks in a row before last week, he had been under 50% route share. So he played about one full game across two weeks. In that span, he saw 11 targets, seven catches, 141 yards, making big plays, you know, damage after the catch, contested catch monster, but 9.1, 12, and 16.1 fantasy points across the last three weeks. Now, including this week Uh, looking very very solid he's got 3.08 yards per route run that's leading all of the indie pass catchers by a significant stretch it's actually third among all nfl receivers since week three when he started to see him really get involved he was hurt remember at the beginning of the season 11.8 average depth of target almost doubling up michael pittman right now and keep in mind michael pittman five catches 59 yards was outplayed in every single facet by Alec Pierce, who got it done intermediate, got it done deep, got it done at the line and made people miss. I mean, the guy's got every down ability. And this was the first week we saw 75% or more route share. Paris Campbell continues to be 
absolutely and utterly useless. So I think Alec Pierce, the takeover as the wide receiver too, and like 100% route share should not be too far off. And he's already feasting before he gets there. Great talent, soft schedule the rest of the year. Really, really like Alec Pierce to settle into a nice, comfortable wide receiver three role. Another guy I hinted at earlier, Ken Walker blowing 100% of your fab. Uh, you know, Rashad White would be 100% worthy of all fab should something happen to Lenny Fournette. If something happens to Najee Harris, Jalen Warren would also warrant just about 100% of your fab as well. And it might not even require an injury at this point because Warren has been so much better than Najee Harris so far this scene. So much more efficient, so much more explosive. Let's talk about some of these comparisons and metrics. But also note that Warren actually played 51% of the snaps in week five. It was due to a blowout, but no other starters other than Najee Harris really hit the bench. And after the game, Mike Tomlin did say, we've been playing Jalen Warren more and we will continue to do so. Kind of airing subtly his frustrations to the running back position so far. Now, on the season, (laughs) we have 82 touches for Najee Harris, 26 touches for Jalen Warren. They have gained an equal amount of 10-plus yard carries. Harris with seven, Warren for seven, or touches rather. So, I mean, again, on literally a fourth of the touches, Warren is producing as many explosive plays as uh, Najee Harris. So he has outplayed him throughout the year. He's twice as many uh, avoided tackles per carry, a higher first down rate, higher yards after contact per carry figure than Najee Harris really in every single rate, even as a receiver, he's making more plays. And that was the big thing with Najee is, yeah, he's inefficient. Yeah, he's not a great rusher, but at least he's dominating as a receiver. Not this year. He's been so sluggish with everything. He's, again, four explosive runs this season compared to five for Harris, despite, again, a quarter of the carries, 25%. So we're seeing the snaps already go up. Now we got the the efficiency so much more. Uh, Harris, meanwhile, 37th in pro football focuses, elusive rating, 44th and breakaway, where, like looking horrible all around, whereas Jalen Warren continues to thrive. Saw this comparison on Twitter from Davis Maddock. Najee Harris versus Trent Richardson across their first 22 career games, almost spot on. Like a little more yards, 1,422 rush yards to 1,283 for Trent Richardson, 3.4 yards a carry for Trent, 3.8 for uh, Najee but just complete and utter inefficiency after these guys look like future studs. A lot of Debbie comparisons being made to Trent Richardson, like sell Najee as fast as you can. I don't know if I buy that. Maybe he rebounds in the future, but this doesn't look like his season. It doesn't look like the Steelers season. And if it becomes out of reach sooner than later, don't be shocked if they just shut down Najee for the year and let Warren do his thing to kind of get their, their lead guy of the future back and healthy. Either way, we know if something happens to him that Mike Tomlin 80% like workload opportunity share when he has a lead back, whether it's Connor, Willie Parker, obviously Le'Veon Bell for so many years. The Tomlin way is a bell cow back and Jalen Warren could become that at some point this year. He's already starting to eat into the workload. Rounding up my top 10 for the week is Rondell Moore. Seven of eight targets, 68 yards, solid overall effort on a 21% target share. Not bad. The big thing was he moved right back into a full-time slot role. No Greg Dorch to be seen. I played 63 of 69 snaps, ran routes on 41 of the 45 routes, and saw 8 of 38 targets. So, again, 21% share, not too shabby, uh, even with A.J. Green back. So right back into his slot role, yes, we saw you know the A dot go back down, but 
the guy's really just dangerous after the catch. That's why we want him an occasional just deep bomb when the defense is overplaying it. Uh, 8.5 yards per target. You know, that's compared to his career average of 6.7. Not bad. Nearly two more yards per, tar- per target. If he just continues to play that 72 snaps per game, given that this offense continues to produce, they're down big and they just continue to feed their wide receivers in this air raid, you're probably looking at six to eight weekly catches out of the slot there. Even with Hopkins back, Marquise Brown might be tough to sustain more than six to eight, but viable role looks like he's clearly ahead of A.J. Green, uh, clearly ahead of Greg Dortch at this point. So with that slot role on lock, Rondale Moore could make a lot of sense the rest of the year. Now, moving forward with some other, like I mentioned, it's a very loaded waiver wire this week. And again, that thumbs up would be so greatly appreciated if you haven't already hit it for us. If you're new here, subs, likes, whether you're catching the replay or live with us, be so greatly appreciated. Let's talk about a few other names, though. I thought it was really loaded. I'll go through these names quicker. I wanted to hit the top 10 and then get you some stat lines that are catching my eye on the waiver wire. Hayden Hurst, 31% rostered, and Evan Ingram, 21% rostered. Definitely Hurst would be preferred. Six to seven targets, hauls in, hauls in six, 53 yards and a score. Just a solid top five tight end for this week. That's now back-to-back weeks. He's cleared 10 fantasy points. A nice low-end tight end one. And certainly if we see T, uh, T. Higgins miss any times, even higher target share potentially for Hayden Hurst. But every week playing 80 to 90% of the snaps, 80 to 90% of the routes in a good offense, patch and upside, he's this year's Dawson Knox. It's really coming to fruition. Now, Evan Ingram seems almost like kind of empty volume. High volume, low efficiency role so far. But a tight end volume, it's really all you can ask for. Saw 10 targets season high this last week, called in six for 69. Full PPR league, I mean, 12 points. That's gold mine for, for tight ends. But even that 9.9, he hasn't cleared 10 yet on the year. Hasn't found the end zone yet on the year. But he's near every down player. He's running all the routes from the tight end position. There's no, you know, Dan, whatever his freaking name was, everyone was worried about coming in uh, and stealing the work. Now it's Engram. It's the Engram show. And he's a top 10 among all tight ends and all receivers, actually, in routes run and targets so far on the year. You get you don't find that type of work. I hate that he's not doing much with it, but he's a plus athlete. We'll find the end zone sooner than later. So those are two potential useful tight ends. If you miss out on Taysom Hill, I have one more tight end for you later that I sneaky really like in very, very deep leagues. Khalil Shakir, definitely worth mentioning. Now, he might just shift right back to the bench to never be heard of again. It required Dawson Knox being out, especially Isaiah McKenzie. We know that we won't see Jameson Crowder for at least three more weeks. But McKenzie seemed pretty close to clearing the protocol. I expect him to be back. I also want to highly encourage 48% roster right now. Check your leagues for McKenzie. In my list, you know, I said this was a loaded list. He would rank probably top five on this list if he's out there in 48% of leagues. Uh, owning that slot role with no Jamison Crowder, I think McKenzie would be an absolute monster for the next four weeks or so. And he might just fully, again, average nearly 20 points per game when he plays 80% or more of the snaps. Could be a beast. So check for McKenzie. But if he misses another game, Shakir, three catches, 75 and a score over 15 fantasy points. We talked about him as our favorite plug and play of the week, and he certainly came through and delivered. We have a game versus the Chiefs coming up this weekend. You want a piece of that action? What a cheap, easy way to get in. Should McKenzie miss the game, I think Shakir would be right back into our top 40 wide receivers like where we had him last week for 15-plus point upside. So go check him out. Uh, There was 56 total snaps. He played 39 of them, seeing five targets, running 28 routes. 
Uh, that was just four less than Stephon Diggs. So very involved in every down player nearly while the starters were in. Looked real solid. Now, if you miss out on Geno, maybe Geno's not out there and you need a quarterback. Kenny Pickett, 16% rostered. It was a tough game. Buffalo's also given up the fewest points to quarterbacks by a wide margin, like nearly, it's like eight points <laughs> right now on the season. And you look at what Kenny Pickett did. So far this year, no quarterback had cleared 240 yards against Buffalo. Stafford, 240. Tannehill, 117. Tua, 186. Lamar Jackson, 144. Kenny Pickett comes in and goes for 327 against this ferocious secondary. Uh, yeah, it wasn't great. He had the tough pick. He made some questionable throws, but he also attacked him deep downfield, was not too scared. The moment wasn't too big. And I know that sounds ridiculous to say when they went lost 31 to three, but he looked poised out there. He looked ready to go. He was there. His teammates were all about him. Like, you know, he got sacked, picked him right up, like getting rallying around their boy. It's clear the team loves him. And 52 attempts is no joke. And I don't think that's going to be an anomaly here. This defense is horrendous. At this point, Derek Watt probably won't come back. He was, he had a surgery already. He was kind of feeling it out. Do I wait it out? Do I come back and, you know, try to just rehab it? Nah, he's going to probably shut himself down for the year with this team abysmal. Maybe one of the worst teams in the NFL, certainly one of the worst defenses. So I think they're going to have to continue to chuck week in and week out. And they already, remember, fourth, first, and first in pass attempts with Big Ben in the last few years, and Big Ben's the corpse. So 50-plus attempts might not be like a, a crazy weekly estimate for Kenny Pickett, and it will soften up. Tampa Bay this week, 22nd in points allowed. So not a great matchup, but much more exploitable than the Bills. Uh, we've seen some quarterbacks have big days against them. So if you need a streamer, if you're like relying on Jared Goff like I am, Pickett, not a bad play. And down the stretch, Atlanta, 10th most points allowed. Baltimore, 4th most points allowed. The Raiders, 3rd most points allowed. And Baltimore, again, 4th most points allowed. That's four top five matchups and five top 10 matchups to close out his season. So yeah, it's ugly now, but while he gets his feet under him, he has elite weaponry, pass happy attack, really big fan of Kenny Pickett. Wanted to hit on a couple chiefs tonight after an interesting Monday night football of usage and a close script. We saw Jarek McKinnon, 10% rostered right now, take over the lead in snaps again, played 58 of 72 snaps. Oh no, that's MVS. Sorry, rather. Uh, McKinnon himself, though, 38 of the 40, 48 running back snap, or uh, Brett, let me get 72 snaps. 38 of them went to McKinnon compared to 31 for Clyde Edwards Hilaire, only two for Pacheco. So it's clear McKinnon's right back into his role in a close game, going to play more of the snaps, played six of the eight goal line snaps, played every single one of the third down and two minute drill snaps as well. The high volume snap, the high value snaps, rather are going to Jarek McKinnon right now at 10% rostered. And this was the week that the floor kind of fell out from under CEH. Without the touchdowns, we saw this was the concern. This is why he's been a sell recommendation by a lot of people, and rightfully so, clearly. Didn't find the end zone, had a much less efficient night. McKinnon, meanwhile, sees the more valuable work in close contested games. What are we going to get this week against the Bills? A close contested game. Expect a lot of McKinnon making him a viable punt if you miss on Eno Benjamin. If Kenneth Walker's not there for you, McKinnon's out there in your league most likely at 10% rostered, can be a viable stream in your league. I also want to mention Marquez Valdez-Scantlin, who played 58 of 72 snaps, 42 of 48 routes, and saw eight targets tied with Travis Kelsey and Juju Smith-Schuster for the lead there. But he led the team, MBS, in yardage with 90 yards. Uh, really diverse route tree, that kind of hype we saw in the preseason of him expanding to more than just a deep cut. 
was coming to fruition this week, showed a better rapport with Mahomes than we've seen all season. They're clearly hoping somebody emerges at the receiver position because Juju hasn't done much. Sky Moore has barely played. Maybe MVS continues to separate from the pack here. Uh, definitely viable in that shootout style game at 37% rostered. Check him out. When the depth. So if you want more info on Jameson Williams, there's a clip on our YouTube. You can watch and rewind to last week's show. Won't go as in-depth tonight, but 31% rostered by week this week for the Lions. I expect him to be coming back afterwards. Uh, and remember, before this week, they're down to third right now, but most points in the league per game entering this week before they were shut out. Uh, most yards in the league entering the game before, again, an abysmal effort while giving up the most points in most yards. That remains intact as well. So this is a team, the Lions, constantly playing catch-up that for the majority of the year has shown they've got the horses. Jared Goff can keep a track meet up with most of these other defenses. The Pats have always had Jared Goff's number. That was no difference this week. But Jamison Williams will be the most explosive weapon they have. I know St. Brown is a working the intermediates of the field and dominating. He's the best receiver on the team. I get that. But just sheer explosiveness, Jamison Williams has like Tyreek Hill level in a bigger body type of explosion. This guy can wreck games. And there's very few and far between like game-breaking talent available on the waiver wire, certainly this late in the year. It typically ends up being rookies, and rookies most often are those stretch run winners, especially at the wide receiver position from A.J. Brown. Like every year, there's a few of them. George Pickens is already showing it. I think Jamison Williams, when he comes back, gets his legs under him. For those final six, seven weeks, this guy could be blowing defenses up, lifting the lid. Cannot wait to see him come back. I mean, look at what Josh Reynolds, if you need a bridge in case Jamison's not back, 31% roster Josh Reynolds right now. Uh, 11, 12, 17, and then 18 points. His last three games, averaging nearly 16 points per game across his last four TD in uh, you know, three of the last four games. The guy is just good. He's got good chemistry with Jared Goff. So Josh Reynolds also could be your bridge there. Another stash, though, a new one for this week, James Cook, 29% rostered. He gets four carries, 31 yards, and a touchdown. Now most of that came in garbage time. In a game like this week against the Chiefs, I don't think we'll see him play a snap. That's when you see Devin Singletary, their trusted weapon, taking on nearly like 80% of the snaps. But in blowout games and outside of this Chiefs game, I mean, the rest of the schedule for the Bills is a cakewalk. I expect them to be blowing out teams more weeks than they're not. And I expect James Cook to start getting a healthy, let's get our, our rookie going here type of effort, which we saw starting this week. Also, if you're in a keeper league, I keep getting questions like, who's a guy I might be able to stash in a keeper league that people aren't thinking of? Devin Singletary and Zach Moss are both free agents at the end of this year. Good chance they re-sign at least Singletary, but what if they don't? James Cook would be the number one running back ascending into that role with the number one offense in the league. Entering next year, if that kind of remained intact, you'd got to think he's probably a late second rounder at worst. There are rumblings they might trade for McCaffrey and this entire take becomes null. Just going to get a quick excitement downstairs thinking of the idea of McCaffrey in this Bills offense. All that being said, until that happens, James Cook, I think that role is going to continue to get elevated. He looks damn good every time we see him play. Involves a receiver, as a runner, has all the skills. Definitely worthwhile of a stash. Now let me rip through. Uh, Wolf, all these guys are owned in my league, man. You're giving me nobody to even look at. Well, if that's you, here's some names. All these guys are 5% or fewer rostered 
I, I still, again, think a lot of them could come into some viability and be used in your deeper 14, 16, whatever team leagues. One is Randall Cobb, 13 targets, hauls in seven for 99. It is clear Aaron Rodgers loves this guy still, most trusted weapon, more so than Dubs, more so than Lazard. The ceiling is lower than either of those guys. There's no doubt about it. Scoreless on the season so far, a meh player. But when they need to move the change, that this is who uh, Aaron Rodgers is looking at. So Randall Cobb, definitely a player that has that, that rapport. Solid outings in PPR leagues are going to continue to come. Josh Kelly, only 2% rostered, but it is now clear he is the lead back behind Austin Eckler. There's no more him and Sony Michelle. Who's it going to be? The team has clearly handed the reins over to Joshua Kelly. I uh, played 27 snaps. Eckler had 42. Sony Michelle, two snaps, one carry. And Kelly actually looked pretty damn good. 10 carries, 49 yards, and a score. Also adding 33 yards on two catches. If something happens to Eckler, and we've seen him miss time in multiple seasons, look at what Justin Jackson did last year. 30 points in his one start. That's how good this offense is. That's how much they like to use their running backs as receivers, as pass catchers, as runners. If something happens to Josh Kelly, or Austin Eckler, rather, Josh Kelly might be a low-end RB1, and he's owned virtually nowhere right now. Especially if you have Eckler, I'd consider rostering Kelly as an elite handcuff. He'd be right alongside like Jalen Warren, Rashad White. If something happens to Eckler, people would be blowing 40 to 50% of their fab on him now that we have a clear-cut number two behind Austin Eckler. So check him out. Check out Tevin Coleman, potentially. 1% rostered right now. Eight carries, 23 yards, touchdown on the ground, in addition to 44 yards on three catches and another touchdown. <laughs> kind of sucks for Josh and Jeff Wilson owners. I didn't even know Tevin Coleman was on the team till this Sunday, but here he is, elevated from the practice squad, has a great history under uh, Kyle Shanahan, clearly knows the offense and clearly knows how to find the end zone still, and gets Atlanta in week six, a very viable. Again, you miss out on Eno Benjamin. You miss out on Jarek McKinnon even. I'm telling you, I think Tevin Coleman is a bet to find the end zone yet again in a game that they should control handedly against this pathetic Falcons team. Coleman definitely has a shot. He is the clear-cut number two behind Wilson. So if anything happens to Wilson, it's not Jordan Mason. It'd be Tevin Coleman. So you got a little bit of handcuff with benefit upside to Tevin Coleman right now. Played 19 snaps compared to 38 for Jeff Wilson. Uh, Ran seven routes. Had three targets more than uh, Jeff Wilson on the day. So Tevin Coleman. Clear cut back up, handcuffed with benefits, not bad to consider. And Kate Otten wraps up my deep league stashes, 2% roster right now. Ran more routes, 87%. Played more snaps, 94%. Not than Kyle Rudolph, who saw two routes. Than every single Bucks player, more than Mike Evans, more than Chris Godwin. Yes, he didn't go like the world on fire with this increased usage, six for 47. But again, a tight end, especially in a PPR league. That's not bad. That's pretty damn good at this pathetic, abysmal position. The big thing that I saw, though, wasn't just the increased usage. Again, clearly ahead of Kyle Rudolph. And who knows what happens when Brake comes back. I get that's why he's playing so much right now. But he's impressing. Do they really need to play Bright anymore if Kate Otten, this rookie they hand-selected, is impressing the way he is? The big thing I saw was big, clear chemistry with Tom Brady. Trust throws, timing throws, contested throws, working the middle of the seams, converting third downs. Brady was going to this guy. So I really like Kate Otten. If you're a desperate at tight end, you miss on Taysom. Hayden Hurst isn't there. I mean, right alongside Evan Ingram, I really like this Kate Otten kid. And last, 
not at last and probably least Marvin Jones sees 11 targets, 5% rostered seven catches and 104. I don't think that's going to happen every week. I don't think he's a viable every week play by any means. Look no further than last week where he saw one target. and didn't catch it. Most weeks it's going to be a Christian Kirk out show than Marvin Jones, but it goes to show you the veteran receiver can still get it done in the right spots. The Texans were the right spot. Maybe he's ahead of Zay Jones at this point, makes Zay Jones a little more expendable. Something worth considering. And then Nico Collins, he's more than the 5% threshold, but 21% rostered, four catches, six targets, 65 yards, 66% of the air yards in this game. This is now uh, a week after he went 82 on three catches. So guys making plays, looking solid. If this offense had any type of life more than they do right now, he'd probably be a far more viable play. Very, very talented kid, though. Would feel good about him in my dynasty leagues. The last thing I want, I don't even have a banner for it. Ah, uh, you know, I do have a banner. So correct that. It's time to start thinking about Deshaun Watson. 14% rostered, at least if you're a scumbag like me. And like, I shouldn't say that. If you believe in fantasy karma, maybe you don't go here. But anytime he's played a season, he's been a top five quarterback for however long he's been out there in points per game. A lot of us are very desperate at the quarterback position right now. I'm riding Jared Goff, and it goes from 30 to 5 every week. So I am definitely starting to think about Deshaun Watson. I missed out on Geno Smith. You have to wait till week 11, but guess what? He's walking into the Texans. That might be 30-point day right there, and he could be a top six quarterback down your stretch. It's still a little early. I probably won't go for him quite yet just because, again, I have to have Goff, and I have to now pick up a backup. I don't know I can roster three quarterbacks, especially when I don't. You know, Watson, you know, isn't going to be in for another six weeks. But when he comes back, we're talking about a top five upside here with Deshaun Watson. So especially in a two QB super flex league, keeper type of league, if he's out there and you can keep him for like around 10 price next year. And again, super flex, especially by this time next year, probably looked at as a top five quarterback as he always has been. This offense has been pretty kind. Like Jacoby Brissett's top 15 on the year right now. He hasn't even looked that good been okay he's been game managing so when they have watson come in and start slinging that thing again top five upside start thinking about him start thinking about donovan people's jones i mean this is the guy that you can kind of actually use in your bye week crunches he had another uh four catches on 50 in 50 yards total seven targets playing 95 percent of the snaps or more throughout the entire season third game of the year with seven plus targets and 50 more yards he's been okay He hasn't cleared 10 fantasy points in half PPR, but we've seen 30% target share some weeks for Donovan Peoples-Jones. And then you mix in the fact that when Watson comes back, rumored in training camp to be his favorite target the entire camp, great deep ball separator. We've seen it. We know that Deshaun Watson has a top five deep ball according to pro football, accuracy grades, all that stuff. DPJ is going to take off once Watson's back. He's already kind of useful. So guy to consider for your stretch runs. All righty, Wolfpack. Well, that is all. Again, as I told you, pretty loaded. Like I usually only go through 10 names. Those, those were the uh, 20 names. I really thought there was a lot of people to consider this week. Try to get it done in under 45. I did. Let me hit you real quick with your defensive streamers for week six. And then it's on to all your questions for this stream. Defensive streamers for week six, though. I'm starting with... Baltimore Ravens, 54% rostered right now. So good chance they're gone in your league. But if not, facing a Giants team that's, yeah, 4-1, and one, but that offense, come on. We know 
Besides Saquon, nothing special. The Ravens are most susceptible to the pass, giving up the most passing yards in the league, but Daniel Jones is not a passer. That threatens anybody. I think John Harbaugh, good defensive mind, sells out to stop Saquon. Giants have an abysmal effort, and seven-plus points in three of their five weeks, 11-plus in two of their five weeks, and they face some really good offenses this Ravens team has. This is probably the worst offense they've faced yet. Good chance for the Ravens to go for 12, 15 plus. So I'd check for them first. Now, if they're gone, which they are again in over half the league. So I wanted to do a first check for them. The Bengals are my top play available in most leagues. 28% rostered right now at the Saints, which isn't quite as juicy if Winston doesn't play. Not quite as turnover under Andy Dalton, but he's throwing his fair shares of picks. He's not looking very good. The offense certainly looked better with a healthy Kamara with Taysom Hill menacing out there. But still, this has been a good defense, Sneaky. You know we got Burrow and Chase and D. Higgins. They get all the attention. But Cincinnati's 13th in total defense, 8th in scoring defense, 4th in total takeaways, and 10th in total fantasy points facing good offenses. They just held the Ravens to 19 points. They've held every single opponent they've played to 20 or fewer, in fact. The Saints have given up, meanwhile, 14 sacks, leading the NFL in giveaways with 13, and they're allowing the third most points to team defenses. So good matchup and a sneaky underrated defense right now. I like the Bengals. I think this is a good spot to use them. You miss out on them, 9% rostered the Bears. Not a good defense at all. 22nd in total defense, 15th in scoring defense. Toward the bottom of the NFL with sacks. 22nd among defenses in fantasy points. Not a team that you typically want to use. But Thursday night, short weeks, we've seen it. Look no further than last week's absolute shit fest. So this game promises to be more of the shitty saying. It can't be worse, I don't think. Don't want to, I'm going to knock on wood. I don't want to jinx that. But they are facing the commanders, this Bears team. They are allowing the fourth most points allowed to defenses. They've given up at least six fantasy points to everyone they faced, 18 and 10 in their last two. And they're bad. <laughs> you know, a short week with 11 and four. Unders hitting in primetime Thursday right now. Uh, they had five sacks. Uh, so so some stats on how bad this Carolina team is. Um, giving up five. So the Bears, five sacks, 14, you know, allowing a decent amount of points. Like this is just a good spot for the Bears. Uh, Carson Wentz just kind of like convulses and throws the ball up and gives up horrible picks. And they actually are decent on takeaways so far they aren't getting a lot of sacks um and on the other side of the ball too you consider the commanders i i would go to the bears first i go to the bengals first i'd go to the panthers who we're going to talk about in a second first commanders though might not be a horrible play uh you have 14 sacks on the year 25 points allowed in the year is bad <laughs> they're 31st in total fantasy points so it's not a good play but the bears 16 points per game four sacks given up per game if they do one thing well, the commanders, it's, it's pressure the quarterback. So another four to five sacks this week might not make them the worst play. But why do I like the Panthers? Why would I have such an awful team that just fired its head coach on this list? Well, for one, a lot of times you see a coach get fired. The interim coach comes in and just fires up the troops and they have their best game of the year. Steve Wilkes is a defensive-minded guy. He's, I think, going to come in get this team fired up, and we're going to see a real solid effort. They're facing, as well, the Rams, who have given up a touchdown in two straight games. They've given up a touchdown in three of their five games. They've given up 16 or more fancy points in four of their five games, including Atlanta. It's not like they've been facing 
had faced some good defenses, but not all. So this is – the Panthers, as bad as they are, their defense actually has some talent. So with a, a, the coaching switch, with the fired-up you know, motivation this week and facing a very turnover-prone, horrible offense, league-leading 21 sacks uh, have been allowed to Matthew Stafford, just getting battered, 12 giveaways, second most in the NFL, has all the makings. Yeah, the, the Rams will probably put up some points, maybe 20 or so, but defensive touchdown – Three, four sacks. Like that's in the realm of possibility for the Panthers, who are the bare minimum price on DraftKings as well this week. So check them out as the Stone Cold Load DraftKings and maybe as a potential streamer. But Bengals first, Bears second, Panthers third, and maybe the Commanders if you need it. And of course, check for the Ravens, the Pats, some teams that have good defenses that are also out there in a lot of leagues. Whew. Alrighty. Loaded, loaded, loaded waiver wire. But now it is time to hear what your questions and quandaries are, folks. The mailbag. If you haven't got your question in, get it on in. Call and link is there. We give preference to call-ins and super chats. I'll stay live till about 8.15, 8.20 or so. Should be able to get through the mailbag, but if you want to support the show, you want to call in, please do so. Starting it off with us tonight is David Campanelli, keeping the streak alive. Love to see it, my man. How are we tonight on Tuesday? Uh, panic mode. Absolute panic mode. Oh, don't tell me this, Campanelli. What's um, going on? <laughs> So it's a full PPR league. I'm in last place currently. No. Um, which it just seems like nothing is falling my way. Like this team was built perfectly and the pieces just don't work together each week. Damn. It's like, you know, Cup goes off and Stafford goes off and then, you know, St. Brown and Connor do nothing that week and then vice versa. So <laughs> I guess where my question lies is – when it comes to like a Jalen Warren type or um, like a, uh, or even like a Raheem Mostert, because I still see he's available in this league. Oh, go get him. Is like a Connor or a Zeke expendable at this point in the season? Or am I putting too much faith in Mostert in that ticking time bomb knee? I mean, I definitely want to get Mostert. I don't know who you have. That's expendable, but this was the takeover week for Mostert. I'm pulling it up right now because I, I meant to talk to him on the recap show that we didn't end up getting in. Uh, but Mostert was one of the clear-cut biggest risers of the week, uh, and I have some notes on him. I think our boy Emery wrote about him on the website too. So yes. let me just pull that up, uh, Mostert. Documents loading here. You have to go get him. I don't know that you can cut Zeke. Until we see Dak and that offense and what it's going to be. Because he's still getting, what, 15, 20 touches every single week. I know it's not sexy, but it's happening. <laughs> so I, I, I would have a hard time uh, passing up on him. Maybe Connor, depending on what the latest is on this injury. But here's the Mostert stats. So 69% of the snaps, 73% of the attempts, 60% long down a distance, 100% of two minutes. That was the big change. It's him picking up all the two-minute offense as well. 19.2 fantasy points to mimic that 70% type of workload. 18 carries, 113 in a score. I mean, he's got to be rostered. I'm shocked he's out there in your league. I would want to know who else is expendable. Maybe Connor is. Like, I probably might rather have Mostert at this point because Connor can't stay healthy and doesn't look that good anyways. But who else could you potentially cut? I have Josh Reynolds and Zay Jones, but – 
I have a claim in right now for Gino because I have Stafford and Goff as my QBs. Oh, I thought you picked up uh, Gino this week. <laughs> no, I missed. I missed out on him, and then somebody dropped him. So, oh, okay. Very happy. And then yeah, I have go get him. <laughs> a, a Jaco- I could have a, a claim in right now f- to drop Zay Jones and get Jacoby Myers. Mm. So I have like Reynolds and Jones that are expendable. Oh yeah, cut Reynolds. Yeah. He, you know, by week, like you probably don't need him anymore, especially if you're getting Myers in a PPR. Bam. You don't have okay. to worry about cutting Connor or Zeke quite yet. Um, cut those two receivers, definitely. Yeah. And so, okay. So then you would recommend going, uh, like, drop Zay Jones for Myers and then Reynolds for Moster. Yeah. And you, who are you dropping for, uh, for Gino? Uh, that's where my, I run into some sort of a quandary, but I do get Jared Goff next week back. Mm-hmm. I'm tempted to drop – well, yeah, I'd have to figure it all out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Definitely start with those two receivers. If you really need to send Connor packing, might not be the worst of all these options in a shallower league like that with uh, shallower benches. Could potentially swing that. I wouldn't cut Zeke quite yet, though. He's still seeing good volume. He doesn't look good, but I think the touchdowns will eventually start to fall his way when this offense gets back in gear with Dak. So I wouldn't cut him quite yet. Okay. Thanks, Wolf. I appreciate it. Thanks for keeping the streak alive, David. Good luck. Have a great rest of your night, bud. You too. Thank you. Thank you. All righty. Wolfpack, on to your questions. How good is Alec Pierce rest of the season? Jose, I already talked about him at length. I think he's a quality wide receiver three. If you missed out, rewind the show. You'll see Alec Pierce's banner, and I'll give you all the reasons why, but I definitely love him rest of the year. Half point, ETN or James Robinson rest of the season? Good question, Russell. You asked me this a week ago. I would have said J-Rob, and I wouldn't have thought twice. Still think Dougie loves James Robinson enough and the touchdown upside's higher with him. So I'd probably lean him. But all the metrics, I mean, go to Ian Harditz's page. Every single metric about ETN is outplaying James Robinson from an efficiency, from a talent, all that standpoint. It looks like they're starting to hand more and more over to him. He was definitely one of the bigger risers, ETN, of the week. But gun to my head, I still think I have Robinson just a little bit higher. I, the ETN explosion could be coming but I think it might always be capped with Robinson around too. I think it would require an injury to Etienne. I mean, uh, to Robinson for him to fully explode. Should you take Myers over Gallup? Moreno, that depends on your needs. If you have the, the ability to be patient right now, I think long-term Gallup has a much, much higher ceiling when Dak's back, when this offense is fully clicking. Don't think we want to undersell how good this Cowboys team is when Dak and Kellen Moore are all going together. But if you need a, a receiver this week, if you need that immediate injection of talent, Myers is going to get you 11 to 15 to 20 if he scores a touchdown points. Like he's got that nice baked in floor, very, very solid. So I'd rather have Gallup in most cases, but if I am in win now mode, I cannot wait for Gallup to, to reunite with Dak and all that, then I go for Myers. Tunes dropped Ken Walker last week in two leagues. Oh no. I hope I didn't fully endorse that because. Talented rookies behind injury-prone starters should never be cut. <laughs> Hopefully you can get him back tunes, or maybe he was already scooped up. I picked him up ahead of this week in every league he was available of mine. Um, if he's still out there, I know it sucks that you cut him, but you got to blow the bank to go get him back if you, if you can. Uh, big fan of Ken Walker. Honestly, Sarah, Sarah, I like Ken Walker the rest of the year over A.J. Dillon. Dillon saw 28% of the work this in the backfield this week. And, like – Obviously, if something happens to Aaron Jones, he'll go crazy. So, like, it's so hard to cut A.J. Dillon for the exact reason why people shouldn't have cut Ken Walker, but even more so because he's probably a 
he's at least a better offense for AJ Dillon, maybe a better player too. I'm not convinced yet because Ken Walker, like I said, I love the player. I cannot wait to see what he does. Um, but if it's one or the other for the rest of the season, it's Walker for me, just because I think he has the clear path to just a true running back one workload from, from here on out. Whereas AJ Dillon would need an injury, roles diminishing by the week. Again, as we go, we'll pack through these questions. Please consider hitting that thumbs up button, YouTube, Facebook. If you're on Twitter catching this, retweets, shares, all that stuff is so greatly appreciated to help us continue to grow. And of course, sub to the channel if you haven't already. Hit that bell so you know when we're going live four times a week at minimum to answer all your questions and help you guys dominate. What's going on, Giuseppe? Good to see you, brother. I'd have to drop Mostert to get Walker. Thoughts? I'd rather have Walker. I would. Um, I don't want to drop Mostert, though. So I don't know if there's like an IR spot or like can you cut your kicker for now and kind of play it out through the week. I'd really like to have them both, but if it's one or the other, it's Walker for me. Picked up McKinnon, start him or Gibson, full PPR, also got Warren, but starting Najah. Yeah, so can't start Warren yet. Definitely a stash. You're almost probably hoping, though, too, that like Najah goes down as messed up as that is. Like Warren's more efficient. It would be getting all the work now with no real nibbling. Uh, I guess this week you got to start McKinnon in full PPR. I just think he'll be a bit more active. How can you trust Gibson? Not going to get the receiving work with no with McKissick there. Now Brian Robinson sees more carries, nine carries to his, what, three? I don't think you can trust Gibson the rest of the year without an injury. So, yeah, give me McKinnon as crazy as that sounds. Who should I drop to get Walker? Henderson, Dubs, Edmonds. Any of them? Walker's way more valuable than any of them. The drop order for me there would be Edmonds, then Henderson, then Dubs. Um, but Walker's more valuable than any of them. Drop Edmonds, though. He's useless at this point. Sad. Love the player. Looks good when he gets used. Not getting used. It's Mostert's show now. Although, we know how fast Mostert gets hurt, too. So, maybe Henderson, actually. Because, like, if Mostert goes down, Edmonds could feast. Henderson's useless. I can get rid of him first. Should I trade Devonta Adams and Montgomery for Josh Jacobs and Lamb? I don't think so, Ross. I like Montgomery. Like, I, I think he impresses every time he's out there. Came right back into like a 70% snap, 70% workload. So kind of erase that question. Jacobs is clearly a better option, but like Adams is clearly a better option than Lamb. It, it, it's not a bad deal, though, because Jacobs has really taken over. It's it's so close that it's like, I don't think I shake up my team. Unless Adams gets suspended. And then it's like, uh, I really want to deal with this. But I think I prefer the Adams-Montgomery side. And so if it's it's a close one, I don't typically do the deal. I want to know I'm winning. Drop Algier. Yes, absolutely. Algier doesn't need to be rostered. Didn't do much this week. Damian Williams is now back, and Patterson will be back in a week or two. Yes, absolutely, you know, to fill in. I guess that 20-point upside this week. Trade Stafford, Singletary, D. Henderson, or A.J. Dillon uh, for Jalen Hurts. Guy needs running back depth. Yes, yes. Uh, definitely. That's like a bunch of tr- like Singletary. Ideally, you could do Henderson and Dylan and not trade Singletary. Um, but either way, Stafford sucks this year. I'm worried about him. So yes, whatever combo it takes, any of those combos. Ideally, again, Singletary, my favorite running back to keep there. But even if you have to give up him, and ideally you give up Henderson, he's my least favorite, and it's by a mile of those backs. Henderson and any of those running, either one of those other running backs. Like, yeah, and even if you think about well, fucking three of them, I'd probably do that if you have the depth to sustain it, Giuseppe. Yes. To get Jacoby Myers, I can drop Gallup, Dubs, or Dotson. Which guy should I drop to get him? Uh, yeah, that's a tough one. 
I don't I don't think it's Gallup for me though. I would it I guess Dotson with the questionable health and you know maybe he lingers on waiver wires for a little bit since he won't be projected for any points the next couple of weeks. I'd probably go him as much as I love him and I love his stretch run upside. I love his TD scoring nose. I I think without an injury to McLaurin or Samuel, he's always going to be a bit more boom or bust. And then like if you drop him, he doesn't get picked up and dub sucks two weeks in a row and you drop him. I'd keep Gallup around though. I, when Dak comes back, I think I, God, let's not undersell what this Cowboys offense could be. Cards just added Corey Clement. <laughs> Thanks for the heads up, DJ. That doesn't worry me at all. <laughs> Corey Clement's nothing. But yeah, that, that just goes and tells you that they're probably maybe you're noticing it for the one reason that this would be worthwhile news is they're probably worried about the health of the running backs. Uh so Eno Benjamin, workhorse. <laughs> This next week against Seattle. Love it. Chase Edmonds and IU droppable. Five-man bench. Yep. Definitely Edmonds and probably IU too. Yeah. Just don't know that you'll ever feel good about using him in a, a, a shallow bench like that. Yes, I would drop Brian Robinson for Ken Walker. 110%. Yes. I've been following the running backs this year. Drafted Jamal Ken Walker. <laughs> I, I love it. That's what the name of the game is. And that's why I think – in the future, I've always been a running back purist. Running back, running back, hammer it. And, you know, it could have worked out well for you this year if you got, like, Chubb and, and Eckler, Chubb and McCaffrey. Like, that would be a beastly start. But for the most part, running backs have been meh. You can get digs and just know what you're getting. You can get Mike Evans the next round. Like, my best team is a team that has Evans and, and Cooper Cup as my first two picks. I didn't take a running back to round seven. I don't typically do zero running back, and my one zero running back team is fucking feasting. This is why, you know, this is what's kind of happening nowadays. So yeah, I, I'm my philosophy in the guide next year will be quite different. I will say that. Um, I'm just not opposed to going running back, running back, but I'm not lasered in like that's the only thing you can do. One sec, it's uh, the comments are freezing on me, so I'm just trying to. I see a. Uh, Y2J is up next, but it's not letting me click it. So one sec, I'm just trying to move that. Thank you for your patience while I figure out this. Uh, well, I'm just going to kind of read the questions I can see and hope this. Uh, here we go. All right, back back to business. <laughs> Quick froze. Hopefully you guys are still here. Uh, Y2J29, got the dub, baby. Love to hear it. Fingers crossed I get my hands on Walker or Hill in the waiver. Yeah, get get Walker. Priority number one as much as you can. Feeling for Alec Pierce? Ah, Kurt, honestly, not, not impossible. I have feeling he's fucking pissing me off. And Pierce ascending? I, I still want to see what happens with Thielen. Like, if there's an injury or anything, like he'd be a stud. And he has had red zone chemistry in the past. But, yeah, I mean, not horrible. I mean, Pierce went against the rookie CB. They've been limiting every other receiver they played all year, though. I get Sertan was on, you know, Pittman most of the night, but Pierce did what he did. He cooked him. <laughs> and again, nobody else has really been cooking any, whether it's the rookie or not. Nobody's been really doing anything against this Bronco secondary. So I'm not going to undersell it just because he faced a rookie. There's lots of good rookie cornerbacks out there, Michael. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not. I'm not underselling it. I think it was a very impressive day, and he's got three straight impressive days. He's a player. Pierce is a player. Do not doubt him. Y2J29. Would you drop Pitts or Fry Muth for Hill? I mean, Pitts. Fuck Pitts. I'm done with it. I think I would. 
Wow, what's this world come to? Would you trade Amon Ross and Brown for Najee Harris, DJ Moore, and Jamison Williams? I'm not a DJ Moore guy. I'm not a Najee Harris guy. I do like Jamison Williams, but no. I, I mean, it's not a bad haul, especially if DJ Moore got traded with the, you know, potentially stripping this thing to the studs, but they're saying already they're not doing that. So I don't know if he gets moved. Najee is still like a ticking time bomb, though. If I felt better about him, I'd say yes, but I don't. So, no, nah, I'm not doing that. Knox or Otten this week? I mean, is Knox going to play? Is Brait going to play? A lot of questions involved in that one, but let's say it's Knox and Otten are both in, no Brait. I might go Otten. I can't really trust Knox, but it is the Chiefs like shootout style game. You want a piece of that too. I know it. We all do. Uh, we got a lot to figure out there, no, too. <laughs> we'll, we'll cover that one later this week. You know we will. Thursday, 6 45 p.m., Thursday night kickoff show for that real great game we got coming up. <laughs> Dropping Tyler Algier for Rashad White, I think. 12-man PPR. Yeah, 100%. Absolutely. Go all in on Walker, 110%. Yes. Start two at PPR. Walker, Etienne Hunt, Aaron Jones. Aaron Jones and Walker for me. I'm on here. Do I trade Aaron Jones and Hunt for Jacobs? Nah. I think I don't. I mean, I, li- I love what Jacobs is doing. Aaron Jones is a stud, so no. I wouldn't do that. Um, do we answer questions from chat? I been answering questions uh, for a little while now, you spook. Um, that's how we do it. I'll go through my kind of spiel. If you're new here, awesome, welcome. Um, but yeah, I, I always will go through like my 10, 20 pickups that I like. Similar on a Sunday show, we'll go through like the news. Um, Thursday show, I'll go through like my, my higher, lower Hail Marys, I call it. And then we'll always answer all the questions at the end. Yeah. Um, so yes, I, I pride myself on that. So uh, yeah, I, I love to interact with you guys. If you're new and you haven't already, maybe thumbs up and subscribe. Be here often. We love uh, active people. You've asked some good questions so far, so we'd love to see you more. Um, thoughts on Odell rest of the season once he comes back next month? Yeah, I mean, there's a chance whoever signs him, signs him for the playoffs and he doesn't even play. Obviously, if he lands with the Bills, like some of these rumored spots, the Chargers, <laughs> and the Chiefs. I mean, with all the ceiling in the world, but a lot of those teams might be just signing him. Only for the playoffs, too. So is he worth a stash? Yeah. If he lands in one of those three spots, of course. But is he guaranteed to even play is the question that we got to wonder is Chad. But, yeah, especially if you have the bench depth for it, worth stashing to kind of feel this out. I'd give it a week or two, though, if you think you can manage that. Um, Just answered that one for you, Spook. Um, Just got a trade offer. Pittman for Monty. I'm weak at receiver. But I see you have Pittman ranked at the top of the same tier rest of the season as Monty. Um, trade value chart says slam dunk. Thoughts? Yeah. If you're weak at receiver, then yeah. I think Pittman will get it together. Um, it is closer, though. I think the trade value, our guy Jackson, a little bit higher on Pittman than I am, a little bit lower on Monty than I am, too. So it's a little closer for me. But definitely if you're weaker at running back, I mean, a weaker at receiver, yeah, I, I think that's a fair – absolutely. Um, I think you figured it out, Spook. Your questions are going through. <laughs> Do I expect this trade? I received Najee and Renfro. You should have Damian Pierce and Juju. No. Rather have Damian than Najee, Renfro and Juju's swapping shit for shit. Doesn't do anything for me, so nah. Standard League Superflex. Ton of wide receiver depth. Chase, Brown, McKenzie, starters. I wouldn't call that a ton of receiver depth. McKenzie is like your third, isn't it? I mean, Jason Brown, okay, we're talking, but Ben McKenzie, we'll follow. 
Um, would you drop Dubes or Dop Dotson to grab Brissett, Mills or Mariota? Need a QB for Week Seven. I, I mean, I I drop Dotson first because I do think similar to what I was saying earlier, people might see zero projection. Like they look at like filter by points projected per week, so he might slip through the cracks right now, and you might be able to get him back when you no longer need that QB. Is Dalton Schultz almost ready to be hate cut? Similar to the thread here. I, I hold on to my Cowboys unless that PCL injury is really significantly aggravated. We'll see. What's going on, Frazier from Scotland? J. Robin Wilson got JT. Talk about selling high, my man. I don't have any interest in J. Rob or Garrett Wilson rest of season compared to JT. Unbelievable. Eckler, JT Montgomery. Whew. Pickoff waivers. Is he, yeah, you still go for Walker. Definitely league winning upside. Frazier, rewind back to the beginning. Talk a lot about Kenneth Walker and his league-winning upside there, but yes, the answer is yes. Great talent, shockingly pretty good offense this year. Seventh most points in the league, fast pace. Oh, yeah, definite upside. Uh, no problem, Spook. It's your first time. Glad you're here. Glad to hear you'll be back for more in the future, my man. Good to, good to meet you, Spook. Welcome on back. Make sure to sub so you uh, know when we're live. Hit that bell. So next time will be 645 on Sunday. My man, the truth will be with me. As we always do for our Thursday show, I'm, I'm sure you'll love it, Spook. Glad you're glad you're here and happy to answer your question. That's why we do our thing, baby. Jamal Williams droppable with bye week in hopes of Swift. Even with with Swift there, I mean, he was seeing the most goal line carries in the league, multiple two touchdown weeks so far this year. I really wouldn't want to drop him, Sarah. No. Start two receivers based on health: Kirk, Samuel, Thomas, Judy, Keenan Allen. I mean, obviously, so much comes down to health wide, too, Jay. Let's hold off on answering that one. If everybody's healthy, you're probably going Keenan and Kirk. But let's, uh, we got to wait that one out. Wolfpack, thank you so much for being here. Best of luck on your waivers. Hope you get everybody you need. Hit that thumbs up button on your way out. Check out rotostreetjournal.com, our homepage. We breed and feed you fancy wolves with all your content, all my rankings, rest of season, in you know, each week, all my rankings, waiver wire articles, all that good stuff, defensive streamers. It's all there for you. Everything you need at rotostreetjournal.com, website or app, also out there for you. Sub to the channel if you haven't already. And remember, in a world full of fancy sheep, be that wolf, baby. Great night. <laughs> Thank you, Y2J. See you soon. We used to have it all, but now's our curtain call. So hold for the applause. Oh, 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 oh. And wave out to the crowd and take our final bow. Football right there, folks.